Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast with me, Dr. Joseph Walker. This podcast is designed to offer strategies in moving vision to reality. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, challenged to succeed at the next level. So prepare to be exposed, empowered, and equipped for excellence. Thank you for connecting and allowing this space to become an opportunity for growth and collaborative learning. Now, let's go on this journey together and spark the change we wish to see in ourselves, our teams, and the world. Well, thank you again so much for tuning in to the Next Level Leaders Podcast. I'm so excited to have all of you. I'm Dr. Joseph Walker, and of course, we are so uh, excited to have all of you who continuously download this podcast. It's about leaders. It's about exposing you to the brightest minds and strategists out there on the planet. We believe that this platform uh, is used to encourage dreams and to release people into their destiny. And we believe that it takes work. It takes you having exposure to uh, folks who have done it, not just talking about it, but actually living it. And so this month of March, I'm so excited because it's Women's Month and we are celebrating uh, women who are doing extraordinary things on a major level. This entire month, I am dealing with winning women. And the woman I'm excited to share with you today is literally a mover and a shaker. Someone who I have great admiration for uh, from her work that she has accomplished and what she continues to do. I speak none other than Mignon Moore. And let me tell you, um, she is literally considered one of the nation's top strategic thinkers and uh, with extensive experience in political and corporate affairs, as well as public policy. Uh, She leads the DSG State and Local Affairs and Multicultural Strategic Practices with clients ranging from Fortune 100 to startups, nonprofits seeking counsel for developing strategies that address emerging consumer markets and also helping them achieve public policy goals. Really cool. Specializing in building coalitions and brand awareness strategies for corporations while at the same time effectively helping them address state and local public policy issues. So if you've got any desire to move in the realm of politics and policy and how that works in your organization, this is the person to know. Under President Bill Clinton's administration, she served as the assistant to the president and director of the White House Political Affairs, and in this capacity, she served as the principal political advisor to the president, vice president, and first lady, and senior White House staff, with her primary responsibility for planning outreach and directing the political activities for the White House. So many things under her belt, but I want to tell you, she's a native of Chicago, Illinois, currently resides in Washington, D.C., trained at the University of Illinois, Chicago, and graduated from Boston University in digital filmmaking, and uh, she's noted as an incredible speaker and filmmaker and continues to serve as a guest lecturer all around this world, lectured at Yale University, Harvard's Kennedy School of Government, and my goodness, we are so grateful because if you have read this book called For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Politics, co-authored by Donna Brazil, Yolanda Carraway, and Leah Daltrey, listen, this book was awarded the 2019 NAACP Image Award for Outstanding Literary Work, guess what? She's all on that. I am so excited to have Mignon Moore with me today. 
Thank you so much for joining Next Level Leader Podcast. Oh, sir, I am so happy to be able to join this podcast and so honored to be able to talk with you, Dr. Walker. You know, I love you, <laughs> even though you did steal my best lieutenant, but I still loved you. <laughs> love you so much. I had to get that in. You know, I had to get well, that I in. Well, I do know that. And, you know, Andre <laughs> is a true asset and blessing to us all. And, you know, we knew if he was going to get the, we were going to get the best, we had to get the best from the best. And uh, and so thank <laughs> you for yielding uh, his gift to us. And we're grateful and thankful. You know, I, I'm so incredibly um, impressed and with the imprint that you're making in the political arena. And I want our, our hearers to talk about really, how did you get started in politics and, and and how did you move in that area as a catalyst? Can you talk a little about how that passion came about and uh, being an African-American woman and navigating through that terrain and even now being a catalyst in some of the things you've been able to accomplish? You know, it's interesting, you know, people, a lot of people ask that question and I like to kind of describe it this way. I don't think I found politics. I think politics found me. I think along the way, my journey was always of service and I was trying to figure out in my life, what is it that I can do to be of service to not only just myself, but to, to my people and to all who I've come in contact with. And so I found myself over at Operation Push, which is now called Rainbow Push. And at the time, they were working very diligently on trying to elect their first black mayor, which is Harold Washington. You know, I was a young person simply just aspiring like many of the young kids today. And so we gathered up a group of people and went down to Harold Washington's office and said, oh, we'd like to participate. We'd like to volunteer. We'd like to become, you know, some of the youth coordinators. And they politely gave us a table and chairs and put us over in a corner and said, you got it. This is your thing to do. And we ended up coming down every day after, you know, after work and or school and we volunteered. And after he was elected, it was interesting. I didn't know any better. I thought that because he got elected, it was time for him to come to my church because I had worked so hard. So I started showing up at City Hall. This is well after he got, you know, sworn in. And I became very close to some of his staff people and a man named Ed Ham, who was his director of scheduling, would come out. You know, because I was too unsavvy to say you need an appointment. He'd come out and say, well, the mayor is busy today. He can't see you, but we still thank you for all you did. And I did that one or two, three times. And finally, I think he got sick of me. <laughs> and he invited me back to their big suite and said, okay, what is it that you want? I said, well, I need the mayor to come to my church because many of my church friends, they all came down. They all worked, walked the streets. They all tried to help. And we want to do a health fair. And we'd love for him to stop by. And so what that showed me, because he came, and my pastor at that time was Reverend Elmer L. Fowler, and he showed up. My pastor didn't believe he was coming, but I did because they had made the commitment. And then I guess when all the police started showing up, they knew he was coming. But what it said to me was that you just don't elect people. You have to really hold them accountable to your neighborhoods and to things that you believe in. And so it kind of made a connection for me of how you don't get involved in politics for yourself, but how you get involved in politics for your community. And that really, to me, was my beginning. Wow, that is amazing. And I think the uh, persistence in that certainly has paid off. And now you consistently use that uh, persistence now in a level of influence where now 
uh, I don't think uh, you're waiting on anybody. They're all waiting on you. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> and that's, and to that no. end, you know, one of the things that I think is important for our listeners to understand, like particularly now national elections or what have you, it has, it is said offline that if you want to get elected, if you're interested in any particular office in the United States, particularly if you're African-American, you really need to have a conversation with Minyan. You really need to have a real heart-to-heart conversation because you've always been a, a straight shooter. And can you talk about that? Because there are people who really do uh, have aspirations for a political office. The landscape is changing. The political environment is becoming incredibly toxic. And, and there are some people who don't do due diligence and they go out there with passion without necessarily a plan. And can you talk about that? Because there are people, you know, who I'm just going to run for this or I'm just going to do this. They don't consider all the variables or who to talk to or why it's important to have those folks like yourself to kind of really have real hard to hard conversations with. Well, I tell you, uh, Pastor, there are, first of all, there are a lot of good people outside of myself that you can seek when you decide you want to run for office. And this is really important for African-Americans and people of color and really important for women. First of all, let preparation be your friend. Don't let that be your enemy. And don't put the burden of your desires on your community if you have not prepared. You know, many of us wake up and all of a sudden we have this bug saying, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And we have not prepared. We have not figured out, OK, will we be able to raise the money to run this race? Will we will we even be able to get our church to co-sign with us? You know, put a plan in place that will help you win, because it's nothing like just getting out here and you know you don't have a chance to win because people get excited about that. They want to see us in these offices. So I would say the first thing you do is prepare and really look at the office that you're trying to go after and make sure you have people around you that's going to tell you the truth. You know, because it's one thing to say you're going to run, but it's another thing to look at that district and say, oh, God, I can't win. Don't nobody know me. I've never done any public service. But, you know, sometimes it doesn't require that. Sometimes it really does just require the will to do it, but still prepare, prepare, prepare. You know, one of the things that is emerging as, as a real hot topic is the role of faith and politics. And it's historically, as you know, it has always been organically a, a wonderful merger and marriage, if you will. But here recently, it's kind of been, you know, revisited in terms of the role of the church in this issue of politics, particularly with so much marginalization going on and people using their political offices or their their parties as bully pulpits, if you will. And so how do you speak to that? Like, what do you think the role, the critical role of the church is now in the role of politics, particularly in this political environment? We are a few months away from an election. And mm-hmm. uh, what is the role you believe of the church in this area? You know, the thing about the church, the thing about the leaders in the church that I think still stands and rings true is that they are the influencers. They are the people that people look to to be guided because so much about politics turns people off, whether they think it's ugly, whether they think it's dirty. But when you have your pastor or your, you know, some of your key people saying it is important that you exercise your right to vote. You're not simply telling them who to vote for, but you are saying this is your civic duty because you have a moral obligation more than anything 
to make sure you influence this election for generations to come, they listen. And I will never, ever take the role of what my pastor used to do from our pulpit. He never talked about who we should vote for, but he never missed a time telling us that you must exercise your right. And so it was instilled in us. And many times this is where young people learn how important it is for them to exercise their rights. So I think the role of the church is critical and the role of faith is critical because we are losing faith in this country. We are losing faith in how we should be protected as, as world leaders. And so we need this clarion call from our clergy, from people of faith to say, no, we are better than this. We can do this and we can do this right. So I say, Early and often, you know, we used to say in Chicago, come alive October 5, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. whatever you got to say, yeah. please say it because they listen to you. And it's not just preaching to the saved. We got to tell them, okay, you know, you got five friends that are not registered. Please tell them to get registered. Please tell them to check their registration because that's becoming equally as important too. making sure that they protect their right to vote. And, you know, a lot of people think that it doesn't matter. They're disconnected from it. But when you look at judges, when you look at, you know, city councilors, when you look at mayors picking up garbage, when you look at the education system, that only comes about when you have a strong voting population and a population that shows up. And don't just show up on that day. Don't just early vote. You show up after they're elected. You stay engaged in that because that, and see, the church is so pivotal because they are the anchors of our communities. And without them, we probably wouldn't have half the voice we have. So I say, if you got a voice, if you got, if you got two or three, tell them all we're gone. You know, some of these churches take people to take people to vote. Yeah, yeah they do. I yeah. say take them. <laughs> Yeah, and we're seeing that, and you're absolutely right. You know, I know our church, we we do that, and we people join our church, and we give them a voter registration, you know, card at the same time. I mean, all those things are so oh, yeah, that. so important to keep people engaged, not just to be influencers within the church itself, but outside of the church, uh, in the community, and to, to really care about the community is is so important. Um, I, and one of the things you, you brought up, you know, about, you know, you kind of hinted at it, you know, in terms of what people are feeling <laughs> in terms of this whole election and not just this election, but mm-hmm. this, there's a generation of disillusioned people. They feel like their vote doesn't mm-hmm. matter. And, and of course, obviously, you know, you've served as CEO of Democratic Party, which is, you know, one mm-hmm. of those things that's huge. And of course, you know, the Democratic Party in and of itself, you know, has historically, you know, reached a, a strong demographic of uh, African-American voters. We've just seen in South Carolina with Biden and all of that. We've seen that. But then we've also, you know, seen kind of a shift, you know, where people have kind of kind of fallen in the middle. Some have, you know, gone to the right. It's this idea of people looking for a space. And do you mm-hmm. believe that parties run the risk of taking a certain demographic for granted? And how can parties, whatever party they are, uh, be more engaged mm-hmm. in really igniting that passion again and making people believe again, because there are people who just really have given up hope on this political process. Like it just doesn't matter, you know? Well, you know, I think you raised kind of the age old question that we fight all the time is how do we make sure, especially since we are overwhelmingly overrepresented in the Democratic Party, how do we make sure they're held accountable? And not just when we're 
fighting to get somebody elected, but every day when they're talking about resources, when they're talking about doing media, when they're talking about voter registration money. And I can only tell you from the time I served, the best way to do that is you have to show presence. You have to stay involved with these because nobody, nobody just wakes up to think about you. They think about what is happening, what's on the agenda that day. But I can tell you the most effective advocate for themselves are the people that show up, they volunteer, they're present. And, you know, you have to, you gotta, you have to hold the Democratic Party and the Republican Party accountable if they want your vote. See, it is not just a, a saying, you're right, you know, this is the most precious vote you have. No, we treat voting like it's an event. It is an, it's a lifestyle, Pastor. It is a lifestyle. And with that lifestyle, you are looking to change circumstances. And with that, you have to know that nobody is going to give you anything. And they have to understand when you are not doing what you're supposed to be doing, we will show up. We will show up and either elect someone else, which is always possible, or we will unelect you. And that's just how you have to be about this because people's lives are at stake. I mean, the government is a, it's not a handout, it's a hand up. And we have many vulnerable people in our society. So we can't afford to elect people that we're going to elect them one day and then they discount us the next day. We're not just a constituency. See, that's the difference. We show up as a constituency. No, we're showing up today as voters. Mm-hmm. And as a voter, you are obligated to do whatever you do for our white counterparts. You are obligated to do it for us, too. So, you know, we need to quit thinking of ourselves as some big constituency group. Yes, we are because we're family, but we are also voters and we need to act like we are. Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. Uh, just a few more minutes. I, I want to just, you know, ask you the burning question inside of me is, you know, we're seeing this wonderful emergence of of women uh, in politics, Stacey Abrams' candidacy excited so many people to see how far she got in Georgia. And we're mm-hmm. seeing so many women get to this, you know, break this ceiling, really get out there and, you know, and really hold these offices in the House. And and we're seeing a lot. What would you say to, uh, particularly in this Women's Month, what would you say to a, a young woman uh, who may be listening right now who, and of course, you've talked about preparation and all those things, and but what would you say to a young woman preparing to navigate this kind of terrain out there, the kinds of things that she needs to be aware of? You know, I for women in particular, I always say, first of all, know yourself because politics can, it can uproot you. So know what you believe in. And see, that means you have to come into this with a value system. So don't take for granted having good values that will sustain you, you know, and I always tell them to thy own self be true because what happens with us, especially with women, this is particularly true with women. They will be surrounded by so many different advisors, so many different people until they get uncertain and they start making decisions that are foreign to themselves. But as long as you know who you are and why you are doing what you do, you will stay grounded, stay grounded. You know, and I'm not telling people to believe in God. I'm not telling them not. But I say one thing, you need to have some faith <laughs> of something because it will test every fiber of your body. And then again, I'll go back to making sure you have people around you 
that will not only be your confidant, your friend, your advisor, but somebody that's going to be your truth teller so that when you get off base, which you ultimately will, they can reel you back in and say, hey, we don't know who this person is. I mean, we've seen that throughout this election cycle, to be honest. You start off one person, then all of a sudden you become this other. And it's not like you're growing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's one thing to grow. But you just become this, you look in the mirror and you become an enemy unto yourself. And we're like, oh, no, we don't need this. We don't need this. Yeah. We don't need this. And so for women, I say the best thing you can do for yourself is to know yourself and have the confidence that whatever you decide to do, you can do it. And nobody can tell you anything different. Wow. Well, I tell you what, uh, this has been inspiring. Uh, your story, your, your influence, and how you use your influence to inspire others uh, is remarkable. And I, I want to thank you so much for being a part of Next Level, Le Next Level Leader Podcast. And there's so many people who are listening today as they do every single week. I am certain who now have gotten some takeaways from what you have said. Chiefly among them, I believe it's important those who are listening to understand that when you step out into this realm of politics, it, it's like a calling. It really is something that calls you. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it really is something. And it is right. it, without it calling you, you will not have passion and it probably won't be for the right motivation. Right. And it is important. Uh, also to understand and surround yourself in your city, wherever you are, with folks who can speak wisdom into you about electability, about your service, about is it the right time and helping you uh, understand what that looks like, building a coalition and understanding those things. So it's more than just having a passion. It's about really having a plan. And it is important. Uh, for us to really understand that we must hold our leaders accountable. It's another takeaway we've heard today. It's not mm -hmm. just about seeing ourselves as a mass group of people, but we are one voter at a time going and saying, listen, after this mm -hmm. election, we need these things done. And to understand the value of our vote, the value of our voice, it really does matter. Mm -hmm. And finally, for the women who are doing amazing things and who clearly have heard directly from the source, and literally I mean that, from the source. It, it's just important that you you take that what you have heard and apply it and understand uh, that it is, it is important that you don't become a chameleon, uh, mm -hmm. that you do straight true to yourself, you have a great foundation, and that you allow yourself uh, to not pivot from your moral compass, uh, but yet stand true to what has led you to that particular calling and mm -hmm. uh, and be genuine in all of that. Minyan, you you have been uh, remarkable to us today. Thank you so much for uh, sharing your words of wisdom. And uh, we're just so excited about uh, what you have inspired us all to do. And uh, everybody listening, I know, is going to go and register to vote. <laughs> and we're going to make a difference because <laughs> this is a very critical election. And uh, so thank you so much for inspiring us. Thank you, sir. And I'd just like to say one quick thing yeah. before you go off the air. I'd like to offer my prayers to the families and victims of your Nashville home that got hurt in the hurricane. I just want everybody to know our prayers are with them here in Washington. Thank you so much. And we really appreciate it. And of course, uh, Nashville is a very resilient city and we're coming together 
Uh, and so many folks like yourself have called and checked on us and, and it means a lot. And, and we really appreciate that. And I said often, I said all the time, we are better together. So thank you so much. Thank, thank you. Sir. <laughs> thank you. Thank, all, right. all right. Thank you so much. And thank all of you for tuning in to Next Level Leader Podcast. And of course, I pray that you will tune in next week as for our next episode of Winning Women. We're going to continue to inspire you with some women who are doing it at the next level and uh, in various industries and expertise. And we hope that it continues to push you towards your vision. Thank you again. And until next time, keep on winning, keep on leading. Peace out. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I want you to subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or whatever podcasts are downloaded. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at josephwalker3. I look forward to connecting with you.